We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast as we conclude our tour around the NBA looking for other teams to pawn Julius Randle off on. Uh, it is it is the quest that will define my life, I'm sure. Um, today's guest, uh, we had a lot of fun talking about his team and the uh, many trials and tribulations of them, even though they had a very successful season last uh, year by most standards, uh, although their own standards have risen uh, recently. Uh, Sam Cooper, uh, the co-host of the Timeline Pod, part of our Blue Wire podcast family, came on to talk about the Phoenix Suns and uh, their possible interest in Randall, whether it makes sense on the court, whether it would make sense from a uh, cap perspective, what some trades might look like. We definitely spitballed some of that stuff as well as just kind of talked a little bit about Phoenix and their offseason or lack of offseason movement, I guess would be more appropriate. Uh, stick around for that conversation right now. And uh, yeah, stick around for that conversation right now. Joining me now on the next film school podcast, uh, another first time guest. We've been we've been having a lot of first time guests recently, which I'm happy about because it means we continue to spread our wings and get some new and interesting voices in here and um, continue to do one of my favorite things, which is to talk about uh, other NBA teams. And when we can talk about the plight of other NBA teams, obviously, as Nick fans, I mean, just give me give me all of it. Uh, of course, plight is a relative term, uh, considering the team that we're going to talk about today won more games than anybody in the NBA last season. There still might be some plight. We'll get into it. Uh, he is uh, one of the hosts, of course, of uh, the Timeline Pod, uh, one of the absolute best NBA pods you will find out there, part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Sam Cooper, what's going on, my man? Hey, John. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh it's been a tough off season and we've been the subject of a lot of jokes, but we're getting through it. There's only a few weeks left. I think uh, we're chilling for now. It's, it's, it's a better time to be a Suns fan the past couple of weeks. So I have to start there 
we're, again, I've, people already know we're 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 trying to pawn off Julius Randle on any any team we can this week. That is this week. Yep. We've done it in past weeks. We'll get to it soon. I'm just fascinated to know what it feels like to in the span of, I guess, two years. I mean, I guess we could go back a little bit more than that, but but to go from one of the five teams in the league that is consistently laughed at the most, along with present company, uh, who else we've thrown in there? The Wolves, uh, the Cavs, even though obviously they won a title, but like the Cavs feel like they should be in there because of their owner and whatnot, even though they're certainly not there anymore. Maybe you want to throw the Wizards in there. I don't know. Whatever. We're, we're in that group. You guys were in that group. Mm-hmm. In two years, you've gone from that to like we need to talk up a bad offseason after we just led the league in wins and lost a seven game series to the, a guy who I, as Andrew well knows, personally think is maybe the best player on the planet. What's that like, that, that journey? <laughs> it's at the start, incredibly exhilarating. Obviously, I mean, I've had so much fun covering the team in the past two seasons. And so I try to retain, like, to some extent, a little bit of that as I think about, like, the failures and, and game seven. And, but then, yeah, man, the, the flip side of it, that game seven, I've tried not to go easy on these guys because it's like, you know, let's just call it like it is one of the most embarrassing losses in NBA history and sports history, arguably in the playoffs, to go out that way. And I think they basically deserve all the flack they've received both from internally and from, you know, the national media for the, for the past few months, it's been tough now because we have to recenter ourselves and pivot essentially to something else. If you want to get over the last obstacle and for eight or 10 weeks, that was KD. Now we're in kind of what, you know, the section of the off season that I would call post KD clarity. We can kind of like, we've moved past it. We can kind of think it was fun while it lasted, but, but we can kind of think about the basketball again. And um, look, Here's the honest truth. They're still a really good basketball team. They could still win a hell of a lot of games this season. It just takes some bite out of it, though, when you know that uh, like, no matter how many... My partner, Mike, made a great point the other day. No matter how many games the Suns win this season, Suns fans aren't going to be having a lot of fun if it's the exact same roster going into the playoffs. No one... There's, there's just not that belief anymore. And there's not going to be that belief from other fan bases, from members of the national media either. So that's kind of how we got to the situation we're in today. There has to be some level of change as fun as it's been. And as fun as it could continue to be to watch guys like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, et cetera. Um, I could, there's a part of me that like the gut instinct is to be like, how the nerve of you, how dare you be like, we need change. And then I think back to a decade ago. And again, Andrew knows this very well. There wasn't a long time between I mean, I guess it was four years, right? Between Isaiah and uh, the 12 13 team that was like super fun and then petered out um, against the Pacers in the second round of the playoffs. And then, like, everybody was bitching and moaning between that offseason and the, or between that season and the next offseason, which is when the Bardiani trade happened, which was obviously a disaster in the moment. But, like, that's why I can't go to you and be like, you know, how dare the nerve of you? Because when you get to where you get to, you're there. And it's exactly. like exactly. the NBA is not it's it's unforgiving. It's like you don't get I mean, as I'm sure God knows you've talked about probably ad nauseum. You don't get a certain amount of time. You have to make do with the time you have. So I don't blame you one right. bit for having the attitude. you have. I mean, we're kind of in such a special era of the NBA right now where it's not like it was six or seven years ago. You go into each season actually believing that there's a group of six to eight contenders that you can really, truly believe in. We, we couldn't say that at the height of the Golden State Dynasty. There, so there was one, one contender. That you there was one in. contending team, right? So <laughs> yeah. if you're, but, but right now, the past couple of seasons, the Suns have been right in that group. And if you're in that group, it takes a hell of a lot of work to get there. But if you're in that group and then you're the general manager of one of those teams and you're not exhausting every possible effort, every possible asset and resource to push yourself over the top. The reason a lot of Suns fans are frustrated right now is because we already did the internal development thing last year after the Bucks. That was already the the message, the selling point after the loss to the Bucks as well. These guys are young. They'll get better. It'll be fine. And then they won a lot of games and ultimately flamed out. And it's just, you can't sell people on the same exact message two years in a row. 
which to their credit, they did try to go after Kevin Durant. So I don't think that was their intention to do nothing this offseason. But lo and behold, it's September 8th. They've essentially done nothing this offseason. And now we got to talk about other options, of which I think there are some interesting ones. So again, we, we come up with these little... Pl- I, I can't even make that joke. We did not put Sam up to this, but I was about to say, we come up with these little ploys to get people to subscribe to the YouTube or watch the pod on the U- Nick's Film School YouTube channel. This might be the best one yet. Sam Cooper showing up in a Julius Randle, the City Edition jersey from not this past season, but from the season before, which I quite like. I, evidently, you like it, too. It's an omen. It's, it's a good <laughs> omen. That's, that's the goal. Is we're trying rehabilitation is, is the theme here. And we're, you know, we're going to see what we can get out of him. Um, we're going to get to Randle very shortly. I do just want to like... So for anybody who may not be as in tune with the Suns doings, um, what has happened, if anything, between the game seven, the aforementioned game seven disaster and today? Is the roster the same or where, where are we at? The roster is effectively the same in terms of if you look at the top seven or eight guys. Okay. They kept DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton was an Indiana Pacer for about six hours, if you guys remember that. Was it that long? <laughs> So, so something like that. I think it was less than 24 hours in any case. A, um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was fun, but you know, he's back. He seems motivated. I'm not especially worried about his standing with the team. I would say that there are other players on the team whom I think you could describe as a little bit disgruntled Jay Crowder being one of them. There's kind of a battle going on right now. It seems like the Suns are leaning towards cam Johnson, who is also extension eligible by the way, coming off his rookie deal. Um, it seems like he's going to be the starting power for it. That's not announced yet, but the tea leaves are pointing to that. And Jay Crowder might have something to say about that, which could also potentially influence some of their decisions here uh, in the final weeks of the offseason or up until the trade deadline. But besides that, it's like, you know, minor moves, veteran minimum signings, guys to come off the bench, you know, Jock Landale, Josh Akogi, Damian Lee, no one really to write home about. But these are depth pieces who are supposed to like supplement a Kevin Durant addition. Uh, yeah. And outside of that, they're not worth really talking about. Um, no offense against them, but yeah, I, I would no. not, I would not disagree with that. Yeah. I, so the, I was, that was the next question I was going to ask you before we get to Randall is the Crowder thing. It feels like there hasn't correct me if I'm wrong. The, has there been any firm reporting on the Crowder thing, or it just seems like a lot of noise from nowhere in particular. Is that fair to uh, it's a lot of noise from nowhere in particular, but I mean, take the guy's word for it is the biggest thing because the, it's information coming from Jay himself. He's kind of had this social media war of attrition going on for a couple months now where he's posting photos with the Suns logo cropped out. Um, he's liking comments from other people oh. saying, oh yeah, he's, he's liking comments uh, from other people saying, hey, come play for the Heat, come play for Dallas even was one one of them. So he's mad. And, you know, I think you could argue is is that all sort of just drama and, you know, these guys will get back to training camp and he'll be fine. Maybe there is an argument to say that from his perspective, you know, I try to understand the NBA player perspective and there's a lot of money on the table for Jake Crowder coming up where he's kind of in this perfect tier of three and D NBA role player who the type of guy who earns a mid-level contract extension. I was about make, to say it's mid-level money, right? That's it's where mid-level money. I want to say he starts. I, I, if you ask me, gun to my head right now, is he 33? I'm just uh, I'm looking it up like right. He, he's 32. He just yeah, turned 32. 32, so I aged him a little bit. So he's like, but he feels like an old 32. Well, it feels like he's been around for a while. And, and and he's kind of just in that archetype in the NBA, right? Where like the 32-year-olds who still start. They yeah. make mid-level money. The 32-year-old 3 and D wings who don't start, who get 10 or 15 minutes per game off the bench behind a younger player like, say, a Cam Johnson, well, all of a sudden, like yeah. you can find yourself making minimum money pretty quickly. And so I think that's really all it is about for Jay. It's about maybe he doesn't believe in the vision anymore. <laughs> maybe he doesn't truly believe this is a championship team, but mostly it's about the money. And you know, I think the Suns will eventually honor whatever request is coming from his camp, that's uh, whether that be in a... Julius Randle trade, which we could talk about or whatever else it'll, and, it'll come eventually. And so it, I'm also just remembering that like once upon a time, remember that remember when Jay Crowder was on the, was it like a four for 24 million? It, it was pegged as like one of the most underpaid players in the NBA before he signed. I think it was this current contract. So like I could see to your point, money might 
probably does make a lot meal may mean a lot to this guy. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's an expiring contract before we get to the Randall fit potentially. Sure. Um, and again, we, I just want to be very clear. I have not seen any substantiated rumors that these two teams have nor have spoken. I. I will say uh, I teased this at the end of um, the pod that I did with uh, the other, the other day. Someone has told me that the Suns and Knicks have spoken about Julius Randle. I don't know to the extent. I don't know if it was like making a phone call like, hey, what do you think of this? And then maybe nothing came. I don't know. I can't speak to that. But that's all I know there. That said, I do think it's a worthy conversation for the reasons that you just talked about a little while ago about like the Suns needing to do something and the Knicks having a, a Julius Randle potentially a problem on their hands which we don't need to talk about because we talk about that enough on our show. Um, so just from a salary standpoint, it seems like if a trade would is going to be made, it would include some combination of the following four, five players, actually. And I'll just, in no particular order. So Crowder would seem to be the most obvious name. Uh, Landry Shamit, who I want to get to in a second, has his extension hasn't even kicked in yet. If you, in terms of like, he hasn't played his first game on this new contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarich, those are the three guys in the nine to 10.1 million range. And then actually, you know, I, I was going to say Cameron Payne. I don't think Cameron Payne's because he's your backup point guard, right? He's not going anywhere. Well, I think, I mean, the way I envisioned it, and I'm sure we can get to, we don't need all the details right now. I think you don't need to include a Cameron Payne or a smaller piece. If you guys are willing to like cut someone off the end of your roster. And I haven't really looked at, at all that, but you could do a two for one swap. Here that yeah, makes sense I, financially. So yeah, the thing is, and the thing that complicates this a little bit is, um, in addition to having a, a trade bonus, great, great job on the, the contract guys. Um, in addition to having a trade bonus, he also Julius Randle also has a bonus that um, gets kicked in if he is traded to a team that made the playoffs last season because of the quirky way that, at least as I understand it. And okay. I've done a lot of research on this. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's kooky. So like his bonuses in his contract are tied at 50% to personal accolades, which are obviously not kicking in for next season, but sure. also for making the playoffs. And they be, they are unlikely for the 22, 23 season. As of today, my understanding is that if he gets traded to a team that made the playoffs last year, those then become likely bonuses. And they all of a sudden factor into his cap number, which does complicate trading, yeah, trading a little bit. I think. Yeah, I think we I, could still figure something out, but I'm glad you pointed well, that out because I did not know that detail. So Weird. you can, and the other that's why the other name I do want to at least mention is Tory Craig. So Tory Craig mm-hmm. is sitting there, an expiring contract for five million dollars. Um, so let's just focus on like it would it would be some combination of those four: Crowder, Shamit, Sarich, and Craig. Shamit, do. Do the Suns still want, or are the Suns already having buyer's remorse? Like it's honestly, it's a it's a lesser version of the Randall thing. If if you guys are, I guess. Yeah, well, a way lesser version of the way Randall thing. I would, say, <laughs> I would say about uh, look, sixty-five million dollars less. The thing I'll point out just about Shamit is that if you're looking at his contract, you're going to see that four-year number that he hasn't played any games yet, and that might and look it's a little bit scary. Too guaranteed, it, right? It's only too guaranteed. Yeah. This is why I I know you always come with the details, so I I, I knew you were going to have that. But yeah, it's only too guaranteed. If you're really unhappy with the guy, you can boot him at the end of next season. But yes, in general, I think the Suns are probably dissatisfied with the way Landry Shamit has played. On the other hand, they can't be that dissatisfied because they haven't made much of an honest effort to replace him in the backcourt. The okay. Suns, the Suns backup guards as of today, September 8th, September 9th, whenever people listen to this, are once again Cameron Payne and Landry Shamit. Two guys who basically failed them in the playoffs, but those are the two best backup guards. So he's still going to get minutes. Uh, until they trade him. Yeah, which is interesting. And like, again, if you're talking about fits between these two teams, like we have a backup guard. His name is Derek Rose. Um, Perhaps the the Arizona Sun would do him well. Unfortunately, Derek Rose is due $14.5 million a season. And then when you throw him into the mix, then the I think the trade becomes untenable in terms of the money. Um, You know, so that that probably would not be a thing, but I, I do think the Knicks would be more would be willing potentially to take on some money that they don't particularly want 
you know, Jay Crowder seems like a Tom Thibodeau type of guy. Um, Jay, yeah. Jay Crowder's a good NBA player. I would say oh, he's just, he's yeah. the guy who makes most sense to move because he doesn't want to be here anymore. Like that's just obvious. So the complicating thing there is if part of, and I'm not saying that this is the whole reason, but if part of the thinking in New York to move on from Julius Randall is to let Obi Toppin, um, who I don't know, how familiar you are with Obi? He's a bit of a fan favorite here. Yeah. Um, to let him, you know, spread his wings and fly something to the tune of you know twenty five to thirty minutes a night. Well, I know enough about Jay Crowder to know that like if you you probably don't want an unhappy Jay Crowder on your team. And again, if you're saying to me that he has an interest in going somewhere where he could play enough minutes to earn that you know mid level exception money this upcoming summer. Well, I, that might complicate things if he comes here and he stays here. Now, of course, the Knicks could flip him, or again, maybe it's a three-team deal. But like, assuming Crad is in there, then you got Shamit. Sarich had a cup of coffee under Tibbs already. I don't, That's a good point. I don't yeah. know how well or he hated not. his time in Minnesota. For the record, he's talked about how talk much. To, he talk to us it. about that because I haven't. I don't think I've ever spoken about it. I don't remember all of the details truthfully because this wasn't my reporting or anyone else's. This was back when he was in Minnesota. But he he has said it was the worst time of his career. Um, well, I go. what was that related to Tibbs's coaching specifically? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think he just wasn't happy with how involved he was in the offense. Okay. But you know, then then he came to Phoenix because. If, if we go back a little bit, right, and reframe, Dario was coming off some great seasons in Philly. He was really on the come up when they were making the second round. I remember in particular his sophomore season there was incredible. He was averaging like, I don't know, 15 and seven as a 22 year old or something. Like, if I throw the numbers out there, like he had a lot of weight and a lot of momentum behind him. He was a buzzy. Faltered. He was a buzzy name for like a hundred more than a hot minute there. Like where I people think, was like, oh, what do they what do they have with this kid? Yeah, I think it was like this guy could be a third or fourth option on yes. a really, really good, like maybe contending team. And obviously now no one thinks that. But I think his career has gone through a lot of change from his time in Minnesota to his time in Phoenix. You know, he started playing the center position at a certain point in Phoenix. He did one season for us, basically only at the power forward spot. Then he did one season for us, mostly at the center spot towards ACL in the finals. And now he's coming back and we don't know if he's going to play the four or the five this year because they kind of have a couple names competing at both positions. Yeah. So it remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know specifically about his relationship with Tibbs, what his feelings would be. My guess, again, just a guess would be if this if these two sides ever really got serious, I, I would imagine Phoenix would perhaps want Shamit to go back as like the the money that's not it's I, obviously it's two years but it's not expiring money with the assumption that they could find that production elsewhere from somewhere some some player I I don't think you're finding that with the Knicks May, again maybe there's a three team deal out there but I guess more uh, the the part I I think if they agreed that like okay we're the Suns we want Julius Randle to be a son we we believe this will help us in some way. And I, I don't think the contracts would get in the way. I think they would figure out that part of it. And like, I'm like, even like, okay, who's asking for a protected pick and like, who's sending it. Like, I'm not worried about that as much as, as much as I am with the sons. Look at Julius Randall and be like, okay, I know we haven't done anything of note. <laughs> this is a thing that we feel good about doing. And maybe that's just because I'm probably more, I can admit this, I am more down on Julius Randle than probably anyone in the city of New York. Has Andrew not in agreement? Not, not just New York, not just New York. The plan. Was that, an, was that a not in agreement? Really? Was, and there are a lot of haters in New York. Are, are you telling me I'm talking to hater number one? Yes. I, here's the thing. And I, I just want to say, because like I think some people make this out to be more personal than it is. Like I am actually somewhat offended by the fact that he put up, put forth the, the effort that he did last season while wearing a Jersey that had the city sure. that I've been born and raised in. Like that was, I didn't appreciate that. Um, and then the thumbs down stuff and all that, but just like I've looked at this thing from every angle. I just don't think it makes sense for him here on several different levels. That doesn't mean he's not still a very talented player and can't be a very talented and productive player in the right situation. I just am trying to figure out, is that situation Phoenix? And I'm curious sure. what you see that you think it might be Phoenix. 
Well, I can talk about all sorts of on-court things with Julius Randle when I've watched him at his best, of course, and, and even not necessarily at his best, but let's, t- let's talk about the average of Julius Randle over the past two seasons that I think would make sense for the Suns. Now, I do have a couple of questions for you before we agree on this. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little concerning to me if I'm talking to hater number one out here, but you know, a, a couple of questions about behavior and, and effort. Cause you know, let's be honest. Those are the, those are the main issues just starting from a basketball standpoint. Why does Julius Randle make sense on the Suns? Because for the past two years, well, here's the truth. The Suns have a major, major self-creation problem. They have Chris Paul, they have Devin Booker. When Chris Paul and Devin Booker get deep into playoff series, they get trapped around screens. When they get trapped around screens, there are no players in the offense who can bail them out. No other players who can make tough buckets. They've tried to develop DeAndre Ayton in that way. He's made terrific strides defensively in you know his four seasons in the NBA, but he's not a self-starter on offense. He's just not. He's not an initiator, at least not at this stage. We keep hoping he might be. The same goes for Mikhail Bridges. Terrific perimeter defender, not a self-starter offensively. We'd like him to do more of that. Cam Johnson, we'd like him to do more of that. And so the Suns just need another guy. They need another guy who can bail them out in offensive situations. And going into this, let me say this as well. The fact that I've even suggested this, don't think for a second that this has made me the most popular guy in the Suns (laughs) media sphere. The fact that I'm willing to stick my neck out for Julius Randle, because it is not. Like this is not necessarily a popular thing I'm suggesting. We, but we don't do this for for brownie points, Sam. I know, I know. We do it because we truly believe it in our heart of I, hearts. And, yes, thank you. And and what I'm going for here is not that Julius needs to be the version of himself he was two years ago in New York yeah. or a year ago in New York. He just needs to be some mid-tier version of himself who can be the third best player on the Suns, the third best initiator. One example that I give that I've tried to use to talk my partner into this on, on our podcast is talking about Andrew Wiggins with the Warriors nice. this year. The Warriors spent a, over $100 million in luxury tax penalties to just to have Andrew Wiggins on their roster this year. And he turned around. Now, the catalyst was his effort. He was willing to put in the necessary effort to do so, but he had multiple 25 plus point, 12 plus rebound, critically amazing performances in the playoffs. And I think about what the Warriors roster would have looked like if you had just another Jay Crowder, as an example, in that spot, instead of Andrew Wiggins, a guy who doesn't have the necessary upper bound of being able to kind of look, if you squint like a superstar on certain nights in the playoffs, would they have still had got, would they still have gotten past the Celtics in the finals? Would they still have even gotten to the finals in the first place? I think you can make certain arguments about that. So that's essentially kind of the performance that we're looking for out of Julius. He doesn't have to be first team All NBA, in my I, opinion. I, I want to jump in because you made such a good point. We and I raised my hand first and foremost in this. As people who talk about and write about this this league, specifically this league, not this sport, this league, on a regular basis, we get so trapped into pigeonholing. Well. If he's not your first, if he's not your number one, then he's not your number two. If he's not your number two, then he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. And then he's your number three. And then this, and it's like, there's all these archetypes, right? That we set out as like, you know, you have to fit into this such and such box. And the reality is like, should Andrew Wiggins be your primary or secondary? No, he shouldn't be that. But are there times when you just need a guy who has the ability to make a tough bucket to like take the tough mid ranger? Yeah. Do you want Andrew Wiggins doing that on a regular basis if you're the Warriors? Of course not. No. <laughs> it was it very important that he did that occasionally for them this year? Absolutely. I don't think they win the championship if he doesn't do that. And I think it's a nice luxury to have, um, which is a great transition to Randall, because again, I think we know now enough to say, like, you don't want Julius Randall to be your number one or your number two. No. But man. Can the guy make some tough baskets? Yes. Smooth Sack Summer is slowly coming to an end, fellas. If you haven't been scaping for the summer sun, it's not too late to sweep your sack of those pesky pubes. As summer comes to an end, keep your boys clean and fresh just in time for fresh ball fall. The leader in below-the-waist grooming is here to make sure your pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and smell fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. Start the new season the right way and join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 
20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to keep your sweet, sweet sack in check. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear Hair and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RP motor, a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Whether you're hopping in the shower or hitting up the lake, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Now that your sack is smooth, lather up with Manscaped's liquid formulations to get that fresh ball fall freshness with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat. Their soothing aloe vera formula is the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness, and the clear drying formula keeps your sack looking and smelling good. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. That'll bring your comfort to another level at home and on the go. Keep yourself groomed from head to toe with their Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. This kit includes stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with the Shears 2.0. Don't hesitate. Get 20% off and free shipping with code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code FILMSCHOOL at manscaped.com. Keep things smooth and fresh as we say sayonara to smooth sack summer and hello to fresh ball fall. Look, two years ago, the shot that, I mean, he would, it seemed like he hit three or four of them a night from the, um, was that the right baseline, right? The, uh, the turnarounds? And, uh, yeah, the turnaround from the right. I mean, to nasty. say that became yeah. an automatic, I mean, it was we just, when he shot it, if it missed, we were like, what, what happened? What, what was, was there like a breeze in the arena or something? It was that consistent. And, you know, obviously he, he did not have this consistent, that same consistency this season, but even when he was struggling, like teams do pay attention when he had, when he gets the ball, you could see the defense reacting. Like they're like, okay, we have to be on our toes here. Like this notion that like anytime he got the ball, defenses were just thrilled because they're like, oh, Julius has the ball. He's going to turn the ball over. He's going to miss a shot. Like that was not the case. Like defenses still honored him. And, and that is real. And I think that will continue to be real. And I think that will get a lot better in a place like Phoenix, um, especially since I think a change of scenery might do him good. Dude, look, now I'm talking myself into Julius Randle. Um, <laughs> the, but the other part of it that I do want to ask, because you brought up Aiton. Yep. Because the, the, the other part of the conversation that always comes is like, you would ideally like to give Julius some space to work that is not just 16 to 18 feet from the basket. And you'd like him to be able to take his guy inside a little bit. And I feel like that, I mean, Aiton's not a, like a stretch five, but he's a guy that can, doesn't have to exist three feet from the paint, which is all we have have had here for the last two years. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's ideally this version of DeAndre Ayton that becomes a real volume stretch big and he's been practicing it, you know, little by little, but ultimately I don't, I don't anticipate DeAndre Ayton going out this season and shooting five threes a game. I don't think that's, I don't think he's going to become Miles Turner because he's already such a good finisher inside. He's one of the best rim runners in the NBA as it is. And let's be honest, he's also a better rim runner than Julius Randle is a rim runner. So if you're talking about pure If you're talking about pure two-man pick and roll, a Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll is going to be way more efficient than a Chris Paul, Julius Randle pick and roll. Yes, Where I think there's some nuance that could be added specifically with Julius's addition into the offense is slipping screens. I, I think this is something, you know, you guys have obviously watched all the games. Like, I don't know if this was necessarily utilized all that much in, in the past two seasons, but like I, I think it has to do with who your guard partners are and how much gravity they carry. But your ability, if you're paired with Devin Booker or if you're paired with Chris Paul and they're playing up in the pick and roll coverage, you can slip those screens and situate yourself comfortably into that 16 to 18 foot area. And from there, you go for the pull up two, or you make a move on your man to the basket or you pass out, which we know like Julius is going to 
thrive in those situations so much more than a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who's just a, looked a little bit stiff at doing that type of stuff um, so, to this point. Julius loves to slip the screens. He's uh, yeah. one of the issues here is he's not not, not too fond of, of actually setting the hard screen. Sure. Um, but to your point, and like uh, I'm sure people listening to this is like, well, now we have Jalen Brunson here, so um, you know he finally Julius will finally have that guard partner to do that. A little bit different, like I, in the sense that I think Brunson teams. Teams will still continue to go under in a way that I get. I, and I guess like Booker is not the high volume three point shooter that I feel like his reputation says that he is totally same thing with Chris Paul. Like we, we know where yeah. those guys want to shoot from, but at the same time, I also feel like they're going to strike a little bit more fear than Jalen Brunson as of right now um, when they have the ball out there on the perimeter. I mean, look, Devin Booker's not a high volume three point guy, but first of all, you do know he can go off and he has had games with seven, eight, nine threes in his career. But the bigger thing is, the bigger thing is, are you going to be emboldened as a defense to start sending traps at Devin Booker? If you know the alternative is he pitches it into DeAndre Ayton from 18 feet out and the guy won't dribble. You know, the guy just wants to, he just wants to rise over and take those mid-range jumpers. And hey, DeAndre Ayton has a pretty mid-range jumper, but a guy who actually has the audacity to play some ugly basketball and take some tough shots could add an element of dynamicism and, and versatility to the Suns offense that they're really lacking right now. And that's kind of what we're looking at with Julius. I think we're, I think we're, we're, I love this. I love the direction we're heading. Um, I, I'm still a little bit worried for you guys. Why am I worried for Suns fans? Like Jesus Christ, you guys won 64 games. There's like a, there's a kinship. You, you talked about this last year on your episode with Mike, actually, I, that the two franchises have shared a lot of, uh, a lot of weird similarities. Even this summer with like, we ever, like we both there was a star that lost out. Yep. Wa- yeah, that wa- and yep. wanted to be in each of these respective places and it it didn't get done. Um I think off the ball, I think there's always gonna be a question of like what is Julius doing when he doesn't have the ball? And that's a real question. I I I do have to think that if he was on a team with Chris Paul, uh that what whatever element of his uh, his game could be in existence would exist. Um, and also, like, I don't think he's as bad of a three-point shooter as he was last year. I forget, what was he, 31% last year? after He was, yeah. He, this is the thing that is going to, like, make or break for me of, like, get me run out of town. If the difference between being a 41% above the break shooter two years ago and a yes. 31% guy last year, it's a 10% difference. I mean, if he shot that again, then this is a horrible move. I, I acknowledge that. I would I, be willing to own that. I think it's, I mean, look, I know empty gyms. I've, I've made the point about the empty gyms. I get it. I think he's can get to the point where 35, 36%. Now, again, you guys aren't, you guys don't care about winning 55 or 60 regular season games. You guys care about the last five minutes of game, you know, five against the Mavs or Nuggets or Clippers or something in that situation. Is anyone guarding Julius? Probably not. Um, So that part of it is a little dicey. And then on the other end of the floor, this man received an all defense vote <laughs> from who, ago. by the way, you know, I, you, you know, I don't think I ever, I would expect up. you guys to know. Don't they, don't they publish we, it? Isn't it public? It is public. Wait, no, I, Andrew chime in here. Is that, is the all defense voters not published? I'm not a hundred percent sure. While okay. you guys discuss Julius Randall's defensive merits, I will look it up to try and find I, it. Anyway, <laughs> I was, I was, I remember the day that I looked up and I saw he got that vote and I was like, you know what? Good for him. He earned it because there were nights where I, I I guess I'll say he was almost a tone setter because of how bad he had been at times on that end of the court, not only his first year with the Knicks, but throughout his career at times where he you could just tell he was locked in and he wanted to set the example. And he's also like quite good when he's on his game, um, when he's like out on the perimeter and he, he has a, you know, he's matched up with a guard. Like he could hold his own in those situations. It's the, it's the off ball awareness stuff. And it's the, I've- we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, the just the complete and total lack of rim protection at, at times. That's another thing where it's like, yeah, an issue, but I think he tried if he got traded to you guys. I'll say that. Well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Cause that's all I'm looking for, man. I was looking at some of the stats offered by like B ball index. I don't know if you guys uh, have a subscription yeah. with them, but like, you know, just a lot of the effort stuff is concerning. Like, he runs less on defense than other players, you know, like we're in an era of NBA statistical tracking data now where First of all, I see you if you're not moving your feet, right? But also <laughs> I can I can pull up that number that says you are not moving your feet as much as the next guy in the roster. Julius ranks out or he ranked out last year as one of the worst in terms of just defensive miles covered. That's concerning. I mean, part of it is scheme, but it's still concerning. Uh, he ranked out as one of the worst players in the league in deflections, not getting his hand on the ball, not being disruptive. Part of it is scheme, part of it is effort. And the effort part is concerning. So, you know, Look, I've never had this conversation with you specifically. I've had this conversation with other Knicks fans who have assured me in the past when Julius is locked in, he can put in that effort. He's got all the tools. He can be a solid defensive player. Um, but yeah, I don't know how you feel like, like what motivates him? You know, well, is, is, is it just going to be, is he going to come to a playoff team and really be motivated by the pursuit of winning a championship or is he not, is that not, his, you know, his motivation? I think that's a God. We're talking about Julius Randle's motivations. What, what, <laughs> I need to know. I need to know if I'm going to commit. Hell if I'm going to commit Landry Shaman and a protected pick, such such vaunted assets. I need to know. Here's what I here's what I think I know. I think I know that Julius Randle really enjoyed being the face of arguably the most beloved Knicks team of the last twenty years. I think he really liked that. I think that was really meaningful to him. And I think he really loved the fact that it was on his back. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think he loved the fact that they tried to adjust a formula that I'm sure in his mind, he felt worked pretty well in the 2000. Um, 2021 season by bringing in Kemba Walker and bringing in Evan Fournier and basically telling Julius like, look, you have to adjust how you play. And he, I, I think to his credit, he like kind of tried to do that. But also when you were watching it, you're like, he something, he doesn't want to do this. Now, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier are very different than Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker to put it politely. Um, so that's the thing about it. And like, if he really believed, like if I go out and I play a certain way, um, I can, I can win a championship. Like, I do think that would matter to him. Like I, I but I feel like I would say that about most NBA players, like what, why would it not matter to him? You would hope. 
you would hope it's the case about basically any, any guy in the league, but you know, I, I mean, the truth is that's just not the world we live in. And also, I mean, with, with Randall, there have just been concerns after, look, I read what comes out of the New York media and over the past year, you know, it's, it's not been pretty. And there, I, I'm not going to say that there's been a, a campaign against the guy or anything. I'm sure you have some listeners or there are some Randall truthers. Uh, uh, the factions always exist who believe that, right. I'm not yes. going to say that people are out to get him. Um, but yeah, it's been, it, it, it's been tough seeing kind of all of the accusations over effort because I, you know, when, when you come to me with that aspect of it specifically, I don't know that I can defend that. I, well, no, there, I can't. There is no, no defending it. it. I, you know, I think there are people who are like, look, it was a season from hell for him. Give him a chance to redeem himself. And I, I would be more on board with that. And I kind of earlier in the off season was a little bit more on board with that until now I'm, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, I just don't know if it's worth the risk. Um, but what's the, I I, I've heard you bring up the point, but like, what's the best case scenario, right? You bring Randall back. He has another great season and you finish as a sixth seed. And then what? Like, yes, I I mean, look, I, let me just be clear. If he comes back for the Knicks, if the Knicks don't trade him, which again, I've, I've waffled on this point. I think as of now, if you were to ask me, are they going to trade him? I'd probably say no. Um, I hope I'm wrong. If he comes, if he starts a season and he's playing well and he's shooting the ball well and like he's into it and he's trying hard, like I think there's a lot more upside presented by that than than downside. At the same time, what I don't have faith in ultimately is like the team looking at that as an opportunity to sell high. I think the team would look at that as an opportunity to be like, okay, now he's more resembling the guy we saw two years ago. We just went out and got Jalen Brunson, who I think is going to do great here. I'm big. I, well, I don't have to tell you about Jalen Brunson. Although I guess his series against you was like fine. It, it wasn't his the series Utah against series. us was his series against us was fine. But just to speak on it personally, like to prove myself that I'm not an ex hater or anything. I mean, I I like the signing too. I like the offseason you guys have had. Other yeah. than that, I think there's a little bit of a logjam that needs clearing, and that's why I'm here today. Yeah. But Jalen Brunson, I mean, so much was made of. Oh, he's overpaid. It's it's too much. He's going to be like the fiftieth or sixtieth highest paid contract in the league. It's it's a good deal. I like. Yeah, it. I'm I'm very happy with him. He's going to be good. RJ, you know, I'm I'm known as an RJ hater. I think RJ is going to be very good. Um, I hope he's great someday, and I think he's definitely going to be better next year. So it's like I could see them getting to a place where they're like, where they talk themselves into like, okay, let's let's take this kind of like they were a year ago, right? Where it's like, let's take this a step further. We've added Brunson, who's a legit piece of the mix. Barrett's better. Like we believe in Grimes. We believe in this. And then, you know, where does that leave Obi? Now where I'm, where I'm not is I'm not one of these people who just think like, well, we Obi Toppin is so good that we need to trade Julius Randle to just get him minutes. And that's the only reason I think that's part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because the fact is like, and, you know, Zach Lowe and Ian Begley just had a great pot about this a couple of days ago where it, it's like he was the eighth pick in the draft two years ago. If Julius stays like they talked about, like Zach tried to come up with a scenario where, you know, Obi still finds 25 minutes a game. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. I just yeah. I think you're 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 so you're, you're so not using that asset very well in terms mm-hmm. of Obi. Um, but that's, that's one part of it. I don't know. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they move him. I, I do, before we get done, I do want to bring up, like I said, I was going to the Bogdanovich thing before you do. Can I close the loop on the Julius Randall all defense voting? Yes, please. please. Yes, please throw so, them under the bus. So I, there is no record of who <sighs> voted for what they do have the totals though. Julius Randall didn't receive a all defense vote. He received two. He received four. Oh, he really? He received wow. four points for second team all defense. Yes. Wow. He received. How many people vote on that? Like a hundred? Is it? Is it like a clean hundred? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. The point wow. being, and look, I'll just throw my two cents in here, Sam. Um, there's a Laker game at the end of that season, that 2021 season, where the Knicks lost in overtime. Julius had thirty one. Like Julius said, 31, eight and five, but like nobody on the floor was efficient. There's two players in double figures. RJ went like two of 15 that night. And Julius was arguably the best player on the floor with that had a healthy Anthony Davis on it. And there was like a free throw that he made at the moment he 
um, made it. He sprinted back because AD was camping under the court. And this was like a sign that (laughs) Nick's from Nick's fans. Like he was our guy, which is why last season was so disappointing. It's less about that. Like his efficiency went down and he regressed from an unreal season that he had. It's that we thought we had star one and now we're looking for star two and he regressed to like not a star. Yeah. So that's why well, it's, it's been more frustrating. It's why we're having you and other potential right. leaders on the pod right now to find. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand the disappointment, but like his defense was good though, yes. in that. Oh, game. His like defense, it was, the defense was real. I mean, yeah. and again, again like, Anthony Davis on the floor and he was arguably the best down. player I'll, on both ends. Yeah. I bet I could track down just that possession. I'll look for but it. They, yeah. It's like, I know they got, obviously they got beat by the Hawks in five games. And Julius played abominably, abominably on offense in that series. Mm-hmm. Like they, their defensive rating in that series, was, like they did a good job against a really good offensive Hawks team. Um, and like so, even in the playoffs, the defense held up. Um, it, it's yeah, I I don't know. Um, we'll say, oh yeah, the bogey thing. Uh, so there's a report from a guy in your neck of the woods. Uh, I. I Told you I was going to refer to him as Gambo. John Gambo. Gambo. John Gambo. John John Gambo. See, I screwed up because you screwed up. (laughs) Yeah, we both did. Uh, So that the the Suns, and I think this may have been out there from someone else, that the Suns are looking at, uh, I always screw this one up too, Boyan, right? It's Boyan. Boyan Bogdanovich. Boyan Bogdanovich. Bogdan is on the Hawks. Um, Yeah, so Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, Suns are interested. I think there was something, Woj may have gone on TV the other day and said something like, Utah might be looking for two two firsts for Boyan, which is good. Good luck with that. Ambitious. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, and the Knicks were also mentioned as a team by, by Gambo as a team who was kicking the tires. Now the notion of the Knicks re-engaging the jazz in trade discussions over anything is like, I, I, I don't know if I buy that one, putting hmm. aside the, the notion of the Knicks trying to go out and get a veteran player. Um, but yeah, like, boy, Boyan's uh like kind of a three four, so I it, it does seem to me clear that you guys are making an effort here to upgrade the position, right? Yeah, I mean Boyan's fine. I I would take it over nothing, right? But like, there's just a clear difference in what I'm talking about about that again yeah. that upper bound and and self creation. Um, I will say I've been watching Croatia's games at Eurobasket. I don't know how intently you're following Evan Fournier uh, in his forays uh, with Team France. I just <laughs> know Luca put up 47 the other night. He, put up, 40, he put up 47 on them, but the, you know, they'll be in the knockout stage. You'll be fine. But uh, like for our part, I've been watching a lot of Dario charge tape because he's coming back. I'm interested. Yeah. What's he going to do? You know, he's, he's hasn't played basketball in 12 months. The real star of team Croatia has been Boyan Bogdanovic. I think he has 54 points in their past two games. He's running a lot of pick and roll because they don't really have a point guard and he's taken onto his shoulders a lot of those creation responsibilities and that's Eurobasket, it's not the NBA, but he looks good. So I would say whether it's for the Knicks or the Suns, two first round picks is ridiculous. Let's yes. get that out of the way. Uh, but Boyan Bogdanovich, I, I think his offensive capabilities are uh, unquestioned. Uh, I mean, he averaged almost 20 points per game last oh, season he's, and, and he's legit. Uh, he's not Julius Randle though. Even <laughs> at his best, he's not Julius Randle and that's kind of my, my central point. That's why he's not option number one. Listen, man, I really do. I, th- I and I, I, I mean this. I think Julius could go there and be really successful. And even if he does go there and is really successful and looks great and helps the Suns, you know, I don't know, get to another finals or something. I think there is a world where it is a win for both teams and mm. and not just the Suns. Well, um, let's to to return kind of back to the tangible trade packages we were talking about at the beginning i feel like i didn't really gauge exactly how you feel about the guys we were talking about the pieces I mean, we talked I- a little bit about jay crowder with minutes distribution and and if this were a normal world by the way and you had a normal coach i would say it should be easy to convince jay crowder to just play 25 minutes like he doesn't have to there's no reason that jay crowder has to come in and play 37 minutes you know but like in a tibbs world he might if it were me, he would play like 27 and he should be happy with that and accept a mid-level contract next year. You know what I mean? But I understand how that could be difficult. And you I... had a normal coach is a hilarious line, Sam. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> Especially who you're he's, talking to right now. <laughs> he's just doing what he's paid to do. 
Yes. Yeah. Try to win yes. ball games. That's it. It's all yep. it comes out there. 45 minutes of Jay Crowder is the best way to win ball games. You're right. Oh, 34. Um, 34. No, yes. Crow- totally. Crowder, Shamit, and Craig. I think that's the package. I that's the that package. Would, I think that's I'm the package. It. It's three for one. Um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the Knicks send Deuce and they get a protected first back. I would uh, I would send you guys a protected like top ten protected twenty twenty five or something. something like um. That. Well, you guys, you and you guys still own all of your picks, right? So we have all of our picks. I mean, I would think you'd be more interested in the ones a couple years from now because oh, I'm sure real, they would too. There's yeah. a real implosion potential that I think you would be interested in. You don't want a twenty twenty three pick, I would think, but no. Um, especially since they already have a, a top ten protected from Dallas next year. Uh, that you know is almost certainly going to convey. Um, yeah, I would, I, I mean, I would do that trade, but I don't, I'm, I think if they got a, I think if they got a first, I think they'd do it. I really do. I think if they got a first from Phoenix, even if it was more heavily protected, I think they would do it. Mm. That's why I don't have any information to say definitively that, but that would be my assumption. And then what's the long-term like of those guys you're getting there? Is it just pure cap relief or would there be any way forward? Like, could you see Jay Crowder in a Knicks uniform? Well, oh, I, you'd think, have to re- I think you'd have to resign him, but could you see him there for a few years or something? I like think that? Crowder would play minutes. And I think the, I mean, the hope would be they'd flip Crowder, you know, before yeah. the deadline. Um, but yeah, no, I think, but I, no, to your, to your point, I think there is a world uh, <laughs> famous last words where like Obi would probably, or we would start, and but Crowder would get come off the bench and play like he basically split minutes with Toppin. Yep. I could see, I could see that world. Shamit, I don't think would play. I mean, what um, I'll say, what I will say for Shamit is like you get you have a lot of guards. I will be honest, but at least he's an off ball guard, right? You can run him around screens. You can kind of get him some motion in the offense. He's not the type of guy who's taking a ton of touches away from people, but sort of just injecting some gravity. Which, if you're trying to win yeah. ball games, isn't the worst thing, but. Yeah, I don't think and it's play a ton either. Yeah, I just I don't see how, I don't see how it would fit. Um, yeah. which is like you know I don't know if the Knicks would love that, but uh, and then yeah, Craig would just I think be salary filler. Um, and they do have they do have roster spots. I'll say that so hmm. they could That's they good. could accommodate this trade. This was fun. I feel I feel much better about this than any previous one of these feel, sorts of conversations that we've had. I feel that. good. I feel good too. I think I I, I don't. I feel like I can't call shots because I don't know exactly how you guys feel. I don't know exactly how your fan base feels. I feel like you guys are on board mostly with this. It's always hard to get people to agree to trades. Like when you're like, I'm going to get crucified for this. I'm going to get mauled when I retweet this on my feed. But, you know, <laughs> I've I've assumed the the enemy brand at this point and you got to do what you got to do. Change, change got to come. So change this got, has been yeah. fun. Uh, before you get out of here, tell the folks at home uh, where they could find you and your stuff. Yeah. Um, S Cooper hoops on Twitter. That's where you'll find most of my stuff. Uh, just if you're interested in sun's talk or general NBA musings, and then we're on the blue wire podcast network as well. We're the sun's pod, the timeline Phoenix sun's pod. If ever you're interested in dropping in, we'd love to have your ears. You heard it here. Um, these guys are, again, it is really one of the best NBA local podcasts around. Uh, Keep doing what you're doing. Keep killing it. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, maybe if we complete this trade, we'll do a, we'll do a short follow up at some point. Be a lot of fun. Appreciate it again for having me on. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sam. Uh, he's great. Definitely go check out all of his stuff um, on uh, that he does for Timeline Pod, or just like go follow him on Twitter. He's at Scooper Hoops. I don't. That's a really good. It's a good Twitter name at Scooper Hoops um, because, yeah, uh, there's always interesting stuff going on with the Suns. And they are one of the many interesting teams that will uh, define this upcoming NBA season, which, by the way, is like five weeks away. When did we get to this point? Five, five and a half weeks away. Jesus. Um it can't come soon enough after the summer that has been. So uh, don't forget, as always, if you dig the pod, leave us a review, uh, five stars, give us a little, 
yeah, kind review, whatever you could do to help support the cause. We appreciate it. And uh, we will be back with you with our normal show. Me and Jeremy, right? Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, coming at you on uh, usual Sunday into Monday at midnight. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be at training camp before you know it. Until then, be well. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you soon.